It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, everybody. It is Trags Mike Petralia back with the latest installment of the Jungle War podcast. Here to join me following the championship Sunday that saw the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Taylor Swift Chiefs advance to Super Bowl 58 in Vegas, the one and only Richard Skinner uh, of Local 12. You can follow him, of course, on X at Local 12. Skinny, Skinny, how are you? Doing great, Mike. How are you? I couldn't be better. Uh, I I guess we're going to start by getting our first impressions or your first impressions of what took place on Sunday. Uh, First of all, the game that I think a lot of Bengal fans looked at with some, I don't know, remorse, some regret. Could have been us. Uh, that AFC championship game when Baltimore just got, I thought, trucked by the Kansas City Chiefs from the beginning. It did. Uh, you know, it, it makes you have to start wondering, is Lamar Jackson capable of taking a team to the Super Bowl? I mean, he's about to be probably MVP for the second time in his career. Yep. He's spectacular. I mean, there's no question about that. He's a he's He's honestly almost a unicorn to a large degree, but it felt like, Almost from the onset, well, I should say from the onset, after Kansas City got up 14 to 7, and then certainly 17 to 7, it felt like panic ensued from that entire team. For whatever reason, they got away from the run game. Um, didn't really involve him a ton in the run game. Uh, and then, you know, the mistakes that they made were, were just terrible. The Zay, Jones, the Zay Flowers fumble going in the end zone, and then Lamar throwing into triple coverage. Yep. Um, and again, it has to make you wonder. He's won two career playoff games, one of them this year. I mean, the path was there. For Baltimore to go to the Super Bowl. I think you would agree with this and most people watching Baltimore was clearly in the regular season, the most complete team in the NFL, the best team in the NFL. Yep. But for whatever reason, Lamar in the playoffs is a different guy. And I don't seem to understand why. So I want to uh, counter that skinny by pointing out the second half of the Houston Texans game. Cause I was fooled. I saw the second half of the Texans game And even the first half, look, the Texans got on the board because of a kick return touchdown. Right. Um, But in that game, that second half, Baltimore dominated. And you're like, that's the Baltimore team we expected to see heading into the playoffs. They're going to hit their stride. They're going to do enough in the in the championship game against Kansas City going on the road. Uh, Kansas City has had, you know, a historic run, but Baltimore should have enough to get it done on their home turf. And I was just completely baffled by i'll tell you the thing that baffled me most not lamar jackson not performing up to his mvp standards but the lack of discipline from a john harbaugh team they melted it was like watching a high school team get uh yelled at and screamed at and they wanted to you know show off their bravado in in the the occasion that absolutely didn't call for it 
No, I agree with that. There's there's no question about it. No more so than the, the flowers. And and look, I know obviously Joe Burrow tweeted about yeah. you know, let guys flex, <laughs> but it is a penalty. Uh, you know, yeah. you could argue maybe there's some other ones that should have been called in that situation, but that was so overt out in space that it's a penalty. You may not like it, but that's a penalty. And so um, you can't have it. And yeah, he almost made up for it by diving into the end zone, but didn't secure the ball enough and gets no. poked away right before crossing the plane. And that was a huge play in that, in that game. And yeah, I was with you. I mean, the, the Houston win kind of made me go, okay, th this is the, t th this is not going to be the Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens of the last few years that melt down in the playoffs and lose uncharacteristic games. Um, that looked like the dominant team that I thought was going to to beat Kansas City, maybe not dominant fashion, but certainly in, in comfortable fashion. And it felt like, like I said, once they got down 14 to seven and then certainly 17 to seven, it felt like panic ensued across yeah. the board from that team. Powell Van Noy, a headbutt. I mean, that's not a rookie second year player right. who hasn't been there before. Need I remind you, he played on Patriot teams that went to and won the Super Bowl. He did, did you, as did a matter of fact. Did you interview him in person before? I have spoken many times with Kyle Van Noy, and I'll tell you this about Kyle Van Noy, Skinny. He is a very calm, smart, intelligent, well-thought-out person. For him to do that in that situation, I'm like, what got into him? I. Yeah. And then to that point, Mike, that yeah, was such a huge play too, because there's a real possibility. They back them up. They get a chance to use their timeouts. They get the ball back with maybe not a short, short field, but certainly no more than at the probably their own 40, no worse than their own 40 and a chance for them to go down and get points before the half and maybe make it 14, 10, 14, 14. And the opposite ensued because of that penalty in part because of that penalty. And then the next play, the very next play, I believe it was the hands to the face. Look, yes. I'm all about, let them play. And sometimes I think the quarter quarterback obviously gets protected to a fault in the NFL. That was clearly a personal, that would have been a personal foul in the 1970s. I tweeted it skinny. That was, no, you're right. It would have been, it was a de it was a decapitation almost. I mean, it, the, I, I just didn't understand where that was coming from, from the Ravens for a team that had a dominant regular season looked like the best team in the NFL. And this is the team. That's why I think if the Bengals can get together, get their stuff together in the off season, I think they can march back up to the top of the AFC North. I think there's a path there, as we like to say in, yep. in today's vernacular, there's a path there. They're going to have to do the right things. They have to build the defensive line. They have to probably replace Jonah Williams there and and obviously have to address the T Higgins issue. But when I watch the Ravens on Sunday, I'm like, okay, they're not invincible. They're beatable if you do the right things. Yeah. And maybe there's a blueprint of saying, you know what, we are going to stack the box and we are going to tell you, you're not going to run the football and surprise. I, that was the other thing that surprised me is, is how they let Kansas city dictate what they were going to do offensively. And all season long, they said, no, here we come with our run game. And they didn't involve Lamar as much, but they still involved him some. And there was still the threat of Lamar pulling it and getting out on the perimeter. You still have to honor that. And they got completely away from that. They literally let Steve Spagnuolo dictate to them. Then he got him in third and longs. We know he loves to blitz in third and longs. And he blitzed him into submission for the most part. So, you know, maybe there's also a blueprint there that says, hey, you know what? Line up, play man on the back end. Yeah, they got Zay Flowers. And, and, and yeah, they got great tight ends. But but put some heat on. Go go after these guys. Show them on first down. They're not going to run the ball. You're going to get them in second and longs. And maybe the blueprints now, they're out there for that.
It really makes me appreciate what Lou Anarumo did in obviously the AFC title game they won in overtime in Kansas City, but even last year's AFC championship, Skinny, uh, they made the adjustments and they made the Chiefs uncomfortable on Kansas City's own home turf. And Lou Anarumo is going to be back. He's going to be the defensive coordinator. They're going to have to make, as we said, some adjustments to the defensive personnel in the offseason. But it does give you hope as a Bengal fan that, hey, look, the Bengals were able to put up a much better show on the road than the Ravens were uh, at home. Yeah, the flip side, though, is, you know, it's Kansas City is certainly the king at the moment, and they're in almost mini dynasty mode at the moment. And they've still got that guy playing quarterback, and it, it does make a difference. They've Danny Reed's credit, he's been really adaptable, right? He's gone from yep. you know the wide open throw it down the field to to Tyree Kill to yeah, we're gonna have to run the ball a little bit more with Isaiah Pacheco and maybe lean on our defense. And that defense was really good statistically all season long, and certainly in the big moment on on Sunday was really good. Um, you know, extraordinarily adaptable is what they are, and that's the thing that's still a little tough is this thing still goes through Kansas City until it doesn't. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets. Which players will score a touchdown? How many points will be scored? And so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. He is Richard Skinner. Follow him on X at Local 12 Skinny. All right, the NFC Championship real quick, and then we'll get back to the Bengal priorities. This is a Bengal, this is a San Francisco team that was really questioning themselves after the Bengals handed them a 31-17 loss. Uh, out in Santa Clara uh, back in October. And at that time, I think a lot of us felt like, well, the Bengals are rising back up, not only to the top of the AFC, but to the top of the NFL, one of the three or four best teams in the NFL if Joe Burrow's healthy. What did you uh, take away from that uh, NFC championship game, a game the Lions led 24-7, and I thought pretty much was theirs to lose? Obviously, the main narrative was the Dan Campbell decision making, and and I I get it, I get the aggressiveness, um, but to me, again, I know people people want to uh, not have gut decisions anymore. That you go by the numbers and you go by the advanced metrics and all those things when when to go for it, when not to. But my gut tells me up fourteen, kick a field goal, make it seventeen, and make it a three score game and take the momentum away. It's not automatic. It was going to be a forty some odd yarder, but um, that was that was probably a more prudent decision. And then the decision to to go for it instead of kick for the tie. Um, listen, I get he's aggressive. It's what he's he's done. It's what he's you know kind of built the foundation on. Uh, all those things, but the other part to it is is Brock Purdy's really good. Uh, you know, I think uh, for once and for all, we can and, and you know, game manager always has that negative connotation, right? You know, Trent Dilfer was just a game manager um, when uh, 
you know, the, Jeff Hostetler was a game manager, I guess, uh, to some degree. You know, game managers can also – Tom Brady was a game manager. I'll be he honest was with you. And, he and he, he, there's no offense in saying that, Skinny. Correct. Because if you look at Patriots 1.0, the Dynasty 1.0, he relied on the defense and that Patriots defense was among the very best in NFL yeah. history, right up there with the 2000 Ravens, 86 bears, you name it, or 85 bears, you name it. Um, the, that Patriot defense was what defined the culture of that team. And Brady made sure he didn't turn the ball over. And he was exceptionally good at that. Obviously Brady, you know, the Patriots 2.0, that was a different story. But yes, there's nothing wrong with saying that Tom Brady was a game manager in the first part of that dynasty. Yeah, no question. And, and Purdy made plays in this game, too, on top of it. That's what Brady would do. Brady, when Brady needed to make a play, yep. Tom Brady could go make a play for you, make multiple plays. I think that's where Brock Purdy is because uh, that was a that was a clear chance to melt down, right? I know your season's on the line, but you're down 17. And I know it's at home, but you're down 17. And Detroit looked like it was not going to stop scoring at that point. They had all their weapons. They were moving the ball around, getting touches for everybody, getting touches in creative ways for everybody. And then it just dried up. And then uh, I think the tightness probably came in and missing on the two fourth downs were a factor. But also Brock Purdy making some big time plays with his with his feet and with his arm were, 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 were tantamount to that game. And it's a good San Francisco team. There's no question about that part of it. Let's not forget what Brock Purdy did on the last drive when the Niners needed it or they'd lose the game. And that was uh, against the Packers in the uh, divisional round. He drove them right down the field, yep. got the game winning touchdown. Um, yeah, I, I like Brock Purdy a lot. Uh, in, in terms, and we of saw his, him at his worst, right, Mike? In the like San Francisco game, he was probably at his worst when they okay. played the Bengals. He provided maybe Jermaine's Jermaine Pratt's second most famous play of all time. The, the most famous is going to be this interception to seal the Raiders' playoff, sure. uh, the win over the Raiders uh, in 2021. But the second biggest play that I think Jermaine Pratt's career was that one-handed pick. Uh, that was an amazing play. No question about it. And, you know, there, there was some questioning of Brock Purdy after that game of, you know, is this kind yes. of is the cute story of Brock Purdy about to die? Was it just a, a small enough sample size that uh, that now the league's figured him out? And boy, oh, boy, I mean, here he is in the Super Bowl. And it, it's it, it it's proving that he is a very period end of story. However you want to label him. He's a very good player. All right. Let's get back to the Bengals now, Skinny. Um, and there are two bowl games this week uh, in which NFL executives get to kind of uh, evaluate talent, if you will, and kind of start really ramping up their evaluations of you know, not only seniors, but select juniors coming out for the NFL draft and what kind of talent will be there. I already mentioned to you kind of the priorities that I think the Bengals are going to place on uh, the draft coming up and in free agency i think the def interior defensive line they got to come up with two to three bodies there also you've got to come uh, address the wide receiver position with t higgins and you've got to address probably the tight end and right tackle with jonah williams of all of that that i just mentioned skinny where would you start well, I think you start with the decision on what you do with T. Higgins because that allows you to understand where your money is going to go. If you're going to go ahead and tag him, it's going to be a $20 million plus tag, so that's going to take a, a chunk of money away. Um, and if you decide not to, if you decide, hey, we, we've got to spend elsewhere, we've got a chance to spend elsewhere, and you decide not to tag T, I think we both agree that they're going to tag T, but let's just say the decision is not, then you can allocate your money, obviously, other places for the spots you talked about. 
Um, you know, when it comes to the draft, I, I just I just don't want to spend a first round. I, I have this question comes up to me all the time. It came up to me actually in I was I was in a Kroger liquor store the other day, Mike. I know that'll shock you beyond shock. And a guy who was there, a very nice guy, he said to me, he, he was uh he was giving out samples. And of course I I yeah, I don't pass down samples. But anyway, he he said, When are they gonna draft offensive linemen to protect Burrow? I said, I'm not of the ilk of do I'm not maybe in, in rounds two through five maybe but i just don't want to spend first round capital on it it just it's too big of a crapshoot to me so yes it's the decision to me starts with with what do you do with t higgins and then if you yeah. opt to decide to say you know what we are going to go to the free agent market at right tackle is it maybe you resign jonah williams if the price is right i don't think it will be and i don't think that's going to happen or do you go all right let's go find a guy for three years and x millions of dollars or do you go the one-year riley reef route it's a, it is a big question mark but i would rather much it's my own personal preference i think you're seeing across the board in the nfl that doesn't mean there can't be really good first round linemen penny sula is going to turn out to be a long-term pro bowl offensive lineman no question about that but they feel like they're so few and far between that uh, get me guys with nfl tape and and we'll go from there it doesn't mean you don't draft it and honestly mike even through the draft that 2021 draft is kind of a mini disaster with what they did at offensive line. Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith. I'm not going to think I'm too bad for Trey Hill in the sixth round. It's a six round pick. You're not expecting right. that to totally pan out, but you'd sure expect a second round guy to pan out at some point. You sure would hope a fourth round guy could at least give you some depth. And none of that has panned out to this point. So either they're bad at scouting that position, but I don't think they are because I think it's an epidemic across the league. There just aren't enough good quality guys coming out of college, especially guys ready to play. And you need, however you want to do this, free agent or, or draft, it's got to be a plug-and-play guy at right tackle. Does T. Higgins get done without tagging him? If he hits free so. agency, he's done, right? Yes. I, I don't I don't think there's any, any way. I think the tag, the two-part of the tag is you either get him back and or you hopefully get trade offers that are that are enticing enough for you to go ahead and make a deal i don't think that'll be the case i think if they tag him uh, they're, they're gonna play him now the other part to that if you're tagging him just for the sole sake of hey what can we get in return well you also have to be willing to pay that if you don't get anything in return because you're, right. you're the one that's going to be stuck paying that tag price so i do i think i think there are enough pieces still left in the in the core of this team and probably a lot of pieces still left in the core of this team that try to run it back one more year with as many quality pieces as you can. There's no question T Higgins is a quality piece, even at an expensive price. See, I think there's a possibility that if T Higgins wants to re really, really does want to stay here uh, in Cincinnati and play with Joe Burrow, I think you tag him and then see if you can still negotiate a long-term deal. Make yeah, one more offer. I just, yeah, I, I think that'd be difficult just because of the agent. And we saw what took place yeah. with Jesse Bates. Um, you know, the other part to it as well, you know, you're hoping T plays great, right? You're hoping he helps you go to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And he would be, a that happens, he would probably be a big part of that. At that point, then his market price is going to go way up for free agency. And so um, it, it's kind of a win, win, lose, lose to some degree um, because of what you're paying for the tag price. But I, I think they do just, again, get as many pieces back as you can um, and, and run it back with the guys you got because they've, they've proven they can win. You know what I didn't mention in terms of needs? Running back. Yeah. I mean, I, they have to. There is no doubt in my mind that they have to address the running back position to make it more explosive, especially, you know, they do have Chase Brown and he could turn in, uh, turn out to be one of those difference makers as a running back for the Bengals next year. That absolutely could be the case. You saw what Jameer Gibbs 
uh, and David Montgomery did for the Lions. Perfect, perfect analogy. I mean, the Jameer Gibbs analogy for him is a perfect analogy, but then you need someone to play the David Montgomery role, the between right. the tackles guy. Um, and and I just, you know, if you do bring Joe Mixon back, I'll be honest, Mike, I think it would be by default. The, the only problem is he's got that roster bonus that looms, whatever that is in, in, in March. And at that point, you know, if he's still on the roster, that shows I, that, that a they're gonna have to pay the roster bonus, and then I can't imagine they kick him to the curb after that point of the, the no, game. I think you're they have not to make that decision that. before then. So that's a tough, quick decision that they have to make in terms of of what to do with Joe Mixon or not. Um, you know, I was surprised they brought him back last year. They yeah, obviously brought I him back too. at a at a reduced price, and I think a lot of that. I think we would all agree when they kind of got blindsided by some AJP Ryan, they had to keep somebody around and and kind of by default, that was Joe Mixon. And and Joe didn't have a great year. Didn't even have a very good year, to be honest with you. He had a good last game against a bunch of backups, but really didn't have a very good year at all. You can use whatever metrics you want. Most of the advanced metrics show that he didn't have a, a very good year. And it's another year of tread on, on the tire for him. And they want more, as you mentioned, more explosiveness in the run game. I just don't think you're going to get, you know, 15 to 18 carries for Chase Brown. You would hope that in whatever touches, let's just, give it a ballpark figure of 12 to 15 touches. And that includes him in the, in the screen game uh, in the past game um, that it out of, out of those, you can get an explosive play each and every game. And, and I think you can, but you then also need somebody who's going to be the guy who's the pounder. And do you do that through free agency at a tag that's at a price tag that's higher than what you're paying Joe Mixon? Or is that somebody that you can get, you know, somewhere again in rounds two through four of the draft, two through five of the draft. And, and I don't know if that, if that would be the case. Could there be a surprise cut that we're not seeing coming down the pike? I think there could be. Yeah. So my 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 boss last week he 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 said he goes he goes I need something something on the web and he said can you look and see if there's like could you come up with maybe five surprise cuts? Well, I can only come up with two and they weren't even really surprising to me, I Mike. And I, I, I ended up not even writing the piece because I told him I said, dude, there's only two that would make sense and I don't think they're all that big a surprise. One would be uh, Nick Scott and the other would be Joe Mixon. Um, I don't really see anybody else. I know people have brought up Jermaine Pratt, but they really uh, they could get out from under after 2024 way better than they can get out get out from under now. And, and to me, that that might happen, but I don't think it happens now. I looked at a couple other guys like a Mike Hilton, but he means too much to this team, and 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 a, and a BJ Hill even. So um, BJ Hills, BJ Hills, the one that if they were to go after a Chris Jones. And yeah, that's a that's a big price tag, man. It is, it is. But I think if the Bengals truly do want to run it back with T. Higgins, doesn't it make sense to push it to the limit and say, okay, we thought last year was Super Bowl or bust. This is going to be Super Bowl or bust on steroids. Now, that being said, there's only one way that works, and that is if Joe Burrow's wrist is ready to go and well, that's it. go ahead here, here's the no here's the and that's a great point because some of the decisions we're talking about having to be made you still won't know if joe burrow's fully healthy you know if he's progressing you'll know if it's getting closer but you're not going to know that until you actually he's actually out there doing it at full speed um in a full speed practice I, and and that to me is the scary part, and that's why right. it's hard to be an NFL GM. It's hard to be an NFL head coach because you don't know, and you've got to make the decisions based on the unknown. However, the the advantage that the Bengals have this year that they did not have last year, Jake Browning, the, yeah. the real significance of what Jake Browning did in that five, six, seven game stretch at the end of the season was. Zach Taylor can look at 
Jake Browning and go, okay, if Joe's not ready, we have no problem having him sit out. We know how Jake Browning can win games and we're going to go with Jake. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, you went four and three and again, starting record is not indicative of a quarterback, but they get attached to that. Right. Sure. So they go four and three. And honestly, out of the three losses, um, the second Pittsburgh loss was really more on the defense than on Jake Brown. Now he threw the awful interception in, in the end zone and all those things. And I don't think that would have turned the game around if they'd even got points there. But, um, you know, he played, I thought, more than competent. I, he played at actually a starting caliber level. I mean, if you were to rank quarterbacks in the league, one through 32 because of 32 teams, I think he fits somewhere in the mid-20s, even, even the high 20s. Uh, he could start for a lot of teams in this league. And so, yeah, to your point, you now know that you have more than a capable backup. You got a guy that can win you some games and, and be more than competent that you don't have to go. All right, we got to game manage this. And well, hopefully we can win this thing 16 to 13. I think they tried that in the first Pittsburgh game and found out, okay, maybe that's not the way to go. Let's let him rip. And when they did, he ripped exclusive rights, free agent, correct? Yes. On Jake Browning. So yep. there is really no way they'd let him go. I wouldn't know. And, and, and for what that means, if everybody doesn't know, you have yeah. to offer him the veteran minimum. And once you make that offer, and I actually think they'll offer him a little more than that, just as a pat on the back. They don't have to, I mean, right. it's, it's, it would be Two a nice million? thing to do. They, um, no, I think it's actually less than a mil. I think it'd be like 990,000, somewhere okay. around that, that, that note, I believe. Um, and so what that means, if you make that offer, he can't even negotiate with another team. So they, they, I mean, they've got him locked up unless they don't want him locked up. And I think we all would agree. It would be asinine not to lock him up. I feel bad for him because he probably could have cashed in a payday and, um, you know, they, they could actually make him a restricted free agent next year, which means you can make an offer. Teams can then go and negotiate with him. And if they do make an offer, then you get some co compensation back for that. But although he was an undrafted free agent, so I don't think you do get any compensation back for that. I may, maybe a seventh round, sixth round. It's a weird weird formula bottom line is they got a chance to lock him up for two more years and i feel for jake um because at that point you know even though he hasn't played a lot of football he's, he's gonna be pushing 30 <laughs> and and i think he would get a payday at that point but not as big as he could have gotten maybe in this offseason right and you know he i'm sure he's grateful for the opportunity to have an nfl job though as a quarterback and here i want to get back to joe burrow if you're duke yeah. tobin you cannot be in the middle you the middle is no man's land in anything, especially in the NFL, when you're roster building, you either have to assume Joe Burrow is going to be hundred percent or pretty close to it to start the season, or he's not. If you're Duke Tobin, are you going forward in the post or in the off season roster building, assuming that Joe Burrow is going to be ready to go? I have to, because a of what I'm paying him B that I'm going to extend Jamar chase at a high tag you know, again, you've got guys on, 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 uh, on, on that are locked up on the other side of the ball. You're paying Trey Hendricks at a pretty price, Sam Hubbard, a pretty price at the moment, BJ Hill, a pretty price paying your linebackers. Um, so you're paying some guys at the moment, you're paying Orlando Brown for goodness sakes. Do you, do you really not want to move forward with that group and, and, and assume that everything's going to be fine. And if it's not, then you have to say, all right, we've got enough pieces around Jake Browning to still make a run at the playoffs. And, you know, again, go back to the start. Would a healthy Jake Browning have, have helped them win in Cleveland? I don't know. It certainly wouldn't have been worse than what it looked like. You know, would a healthy Jake Browning in Tennessee have made a difference as opposed to a completely compromised Joe Burrow who yes. was standing in a phone booth trying to play offense <laughs> that day? Uh, and those are two games. Listen, and then, you know, the, the one game that kind of got away from them was the Houston game with Joe at quarterback and a healthy Joe at quarterback. And unfortunately, you know, Tyler Boyd drops a touchdown pass. I mean, you there's three or four games that are ifs, ands, or buts to a large degree, and a couple of those involve Joe Burrow's health. Want to um, address the secondary 
Harrison Smith, if he's available, go after him. I think so. And again, we're, we're doing some of the caveats of we're not going to go after all these guys because you can't go after all of them. No, but I, right. He's I, a I'm name certainly I, out there. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that, you know, what is the future of Dax Hill? Is, is it really, hey, you know what? Growing pains this year. We're going to run him back as a safety. I think you do. But I also think you have to have a safety net, no pun intended, for the position group. And Harrison Smith would be a great safety net. Um, it would allow you to, you know, play three safety look at times with with Jordan Battle. It would allow you to maybe put Dax Hill in there on passing situations instead of Nick Scott for for a uh, a Jordan Battle, and gives him somebody to learn behind in a veteran like Harrison Smith of how to go about your business. Um, you know what it is, what it does mean to communicate, what he is seeing. Um, it, it it certainly wouldn't hurt for him to have another year of tutelage like that. I'm sure he he had that with Von Bell and Jesse Bates, but didn't have it for for a long period of time. He just had it for one season. And again, maybe moving forward, Mike, and I could be completely off base with Mike Hilton on his last year of his contract. You know, is Dax Hill's future maybe as a slot corner uh, rather than a safety? What I feel. I, and I think a lot of people in the organization see that as a, a possibility. And if that's the case, there's nothing wrong with getting a head start and say you sign Harrison Smith to a three-year deal, you know, for whatever that's going to be. I don't know, 24 yeah, maybe $30 million. Yeah. With, with the last year being a possible out with whatever base you're going to pay him, you backload the base and yeah. Right. Yeah. But I see that as doable. If you bring in a guy like a Harrison Smith and say, no offense, Dax, but we need to get better quick. Now here's the deal right now. You we're not going to diminish you. We're still going to use you in many, many different ways. And that's maybe kind of throw back to 2022 as rookie season. But that's the way we're going to go. Move forward. Don't hesitate and make the move that makes defense better because the Bengals did not make the playoffs, not because Joe Burrow wasn't healthy, but because the defense was atrocious. And Skinny, I'll give you credit. You were one of the first on that train uh, midway through the season. Yeah, and it was disappointing because, it, it, you know, we both like Lou Anarumo. Those of us that cover him really enjoy talking to Lou, but it felt like a broken record. And I don't think it was an excuse-making broken record, but it was run fits aren't right. We're missing tackles, too many big plays. And then at the end of the year, it turned out to be a lot of pointing at the safeties of, of they having a big issue. And Lou they had some acknowledging and, that. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. The players and Lou acknowledging that. And so, um, yeah, that has to get better. And, you know, you could argue another offseason of film study and all that, but are you really going to bank on that? I mean, that's more hope than it is definitive hey we expect him to take a big step forward well i kind of expected that step to come this year i didn't expect him to be jesse bates von bell but i didn't expect it to look this ugly either i don't think they did but it did and so are you going to say all right just it's just another year of seasoning he'll be fine or is it all right we hope that happens and we we want that to happen but we better have a safety net in case it doesn't happen are you going to be watching the shrine bowl thursday night in frisco texas with the star where the cowboys train and the senior bowl on sunday are you going to be taking those two games in just with a glancing senior eye bowl, I, I usually watch those with a little grain of salt um I, I don't know what all can be gleaned i know the coaches glean far more from the practice and the meeting time than they do right. from the, the game itself but i usually tune them in i i miss what was the one that used to be on on was it christmas day the east west shrine game I was thought that was game? the shrine. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you might be the, right. Uh, the East West Blue gray, gray game. The Blue Gray. Blue Gray. The Blue, Blue gray, gray, gray game. That's it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I, missed, I missed that one because it was something to watch on Christmas morning after the presents were all opened. That is correct. Boy, you're taking me back, Skinny. Taking yeah, me back. Um, also, you are a uh, renowned, esteemed high school basketball coach. Little shout little out esteemed. to your team. 
the Ludlow Low Panthers, we are 13 and nine. We just clinched our conference uh, championship and we, we actually have the one seed for the conference tournament upcoming. Oh, excellent so, work, uh, Skinny. It's been, it's been, it's been a good, the kids have really the last month after Christmas, we kind of bought them out after Turned a tough on. stretch around Christmas time. And they, they came back with renewed energy and focus and have done quite well since. So uh, I'm very proud of them. The Indian Hill Braves are uh, battling under coach Ricardo Hill. Um, they are, I believe, in second or third place in the CHL. They're going to get Wyoming's undefeated playoffs. in that league. Yeah, Wyoming's undefeated oh, in that league. And they aren't they always Saturday. in football and basketball? There, it, it's a rare season when Wyoming doesn't dominate basketball and football. Um, you're true. wearing the colors. You're wearing the colors. A little time to gloat about your Joe B. Hall. Now, uh, obviously, John Calipari. Oh, Wildcats. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm not no. a, I'm, as many, many I, on podcast. I'm not a big Cal fan, but I, I do like this team in particular. Yeah. Um, it's been fun to watch. The last week's been odd. They went to South Carolina and laid an egg and got beat by 17, and just the offense was completely flat. It was flat again on Saturday. Um, you know, they were missing a, a key cog off the bench. Rob Dillingham was was uh, sick and did not play. But the defense was great that day, and and maybe Cal found something in a lineup that that he liked defensively that can help this team moving forward. They got a big week this week, got Florida at home, and then Tennessee on Saturday. If they can beat Tennessee, then uh, they'll be tied for first place in the SEC. But uh, yeah, it was a really weird week this past week. They, they needed that win at Arkansas because they had they they almost lost at Florida on the road. They lost to Texas A and M on the road. They lost at South Carolina. Um, this started to feel like it was becoming a, a bit of a, a habit or a, a trend, and, and they kind of snapped that trend uh, this past Saturday. Granted, Arkansas is not very good. They're down, I think, 10-10 and 10 on the season. They're struggling in a big way, but Kentucky found a way to get a win. As you know, I've been covering the Bearcats football and basketball and Xavier basketball as well. Uh, and I must tell you, I've been impressed with Big 12 competition. It's been a treat. And to see Cincinnati advanced into the Big 12, I think they've accounted themselves – Pretty doggone well, considering what their first six games were. No, oh, I agree with you. I I thought I thought this was a, probably a five win team in the conference, and it still may be. I mean, they when you keep looking at that schedule, it's like holy Toledo. That almost feels right. unfair. Uh, but they got a win that they literally. I think if they're still thinking they can win enough games Absolutely to go to the NCAA tournament, the win over UCF yeah. was a must. And to be down the way they were at the half after leading early, and then UCF came storming back clearly dominated the rest of the first half. It felt like it was going to be, and that's a good defensive UCF team. It felt like that was going to be a monumental hole to dig out of in the second half, and they did. And and some of it, thanks to the crowd atmosphere, the atmosphere for the Big 12 games in, in fifth third has been off the charts. I did. I was watching the Kentucky game that night, but I had the game on, on the radio, um, and and you could tell, you could almost feel the crowd, especially when they were rallying in that second half. And uh, that was a huge, huge win. And then you turn around and you still have to go on the road two more times. And then you get Houston. I mean, every four game stretch you look at, it's like, uh, can he win a game in that four game stretch? It's, it's just so hard now. Uh, and we wrap up here kind of on a downer, but that Xavier loss on oh. Sunday told me one thing. UConn is by far and away, as we sit right now, the best team in college basketball. Period. No question. I mean, they got great guards. They get their big guy back. They got, great forwards they defend they can score they can get it off the glass and go in transition they can also walk it up the floor get in a set and score off of a set they score at the rim they score from deep um yeah it is it is the, the most complete team in the country uh you know purdue always seems to flame out because of guard play now they got zach Eady certainly you know kansas has, has, has bottomed out a little bit and I, at this point i'm not even sure who is number two i mean i guess 
technically it's Houston, but Houston I, has a hard time at times scoring. And so to me, I think it's UConn and then a clear cut line of demarcation between whatever the rest of the pack you want to include. I think Houston, the reason I love Houston is Kelvin Sampson. Oh, they're, I love the way they play. To me, that is, he is, he is a Hall of Fame caliber coach. Would you agree? Oh, no question. And I think Houston, UConn is probably going to be, if they're in the right brackets, the national championship game. I just have kind of felt that all along, but we'll see. And I just don't know if Houston can score enough. I, I just don't. I mean, that's, that's for UConn. Like I said, UConn, find me a weakness, find me a weak link, and you can't, especially now that they got the big guy back. I mean, they played without him for, what, the last four weeks and really didn't miss a whole beat. And you get him back and throw him in the mix, my Lord, that's a that's an embarrassment of riches. Super Bowl pick, go. Um, I'm going to go Frisco, although, again, man, hard to – Picked against the Chiefs the last two rounds. I thought I thought Buffalo would handle them. Um, I thought Buffalo would actually go to Baltimore and win. So I was completely off base once the playoffs started. But but once once Buffalo got knocked out, um, I, I thought the 49ers were the team to beat. So I'm going to go with with them and stick with them. But Kansas City, I I, I hate to keep doubting them. 30-28 KC wins their third Super Bowl. Be a hell of a Super Bowl. If that's the case. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to be a. Just like it was in 54 down in, uh, I believe that was Miami. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of a repeat of that. Um, I just think Mahomes is too good in big games. And Travis Kelsey is Travis. Ke- I mean, what, say what you will about all the hype and all the garbage. Been, he, 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 hey, listen, He's at the end incredible. of the regular season, he looked dead. Yeah, at the end of the regular season, Mike, he looked dead in the water. Like he didn't have it physically any longer. Right. Um, he wasn't a focal point at all and, and all those things. And suddenly in the playoffs, this is the this is vintage Travis Kelsey. Well, I think he saved his bullets for the postseason. That's, you might be right. And I think he he knew that hey, this team's going to the playoffs. I got to save my energy. And he, and he did so, and he's, I'm sure, saving his energy for somebody else as well. So, Well, God love him for that, my man. <laughs> God love him for that. And God love Richard Skinner of Local 12. Uh, he is certainly a, a guy you should be following nonstop, both during the Bengals season and in the offseason as the Bengals participate in roster building. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do in free agency and the draft. Skinny, thanks for joining me. Good Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. He is Richard Skinner of Local 12. Follow him on X at Local 12 Skinny. My name is Mike Petralia. You know where to follow me on X at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. This has been the Jungle Roar podcast powered, as always, by the great folks at FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive gaming partner of the CLNS Media Network. Until next week, keep that jungle roaring.